You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and this, this, this is the last show of the year. That's right, folks. We've made it. We've almost made it. We've almost made it. (laughs) I can see daylight. I can see 2020. It's so close. We're almost there. Let's keep going. So what I'm doing for the last show of the year is I'm giving you the most popular show of the year that we had. The show that, in a weird way, actually encapsulates what 2020 was for us. This is a show that had the most downloads, had the most listens of the year by far. And it was an episode from back in July about conspiracy theories. How fitting. How fitting. So maybe you missed it. Or maybe you need a refresher. But this was our most popular show of the year. I look forward to 2021 and lots of new stuff here at Snarky Faith. But this is our most popular show of the year. Enjoy. And catch you guys on the flippity-flop in 2021. Peace. And here again, another week. We're like, uh, how many eons into the COVID pandemic? I've lost count. Not even sure what's going on anymore. But, you know, as they say, when life gives you lemons, make a vodka martini with a twist. So, cheers, folks. Because day drinking is the only hope in the era of coronavirus. And I've heard... I'm not sure if this is anecdotal evidence or not, but I heard that essentially you can kill coronavirus. Coronavirus centers around the human liver. So essentially, if you can get enough alcohol down there, you can fix it. Hey, we're going to get more to conspiracy theories later, but this one, I may can live with this one here. (laughs) But no, no, no. I seriously hope everyone's week is going well. Thank you again for joining us here on Snarky Faith. Uh, And today, I wanted to start with a bit of good news, like a good word, uh, something that that I really feel that we need to kind of hear uh, in this time where it really feels like America needs a palate cleanser. Like America, we've got like a bunch of gunk in our mouth and we don't like the taste of what it's like to be 2020 American. No, it tastes, mm, tastes a little sick, tastes a little, tastes a lot racist as well too. So I really would like a palate cleanser and then maybe like a chaser to kind of clean it all out here. Mm-hmm. That would be preferable uh, since we necessarily can't do that based upon the medium that you are dealing with right now because you're hearing me on a recorded device or through a radio at this moment. So in lieu of me not being able to come and bring you something to help imbibe you, how about let's do this? How about let's hear something that's so amazing, straightforward, and refreshing? I think it's the good news we need to hear right now. And this comes from, it comes from an an author that I love, an author that I love, especially because he drove so many people crazy in my class. (laughs) Uh, when we were reading several of his books back in seminary. Um, Sun Chen Ra speaks eloquently about Christianity and about its issues with race. Um, 
And I loved, 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 loved his words about Black Lives Matter that he said recently in an interview. And I think this is like a good place to begin our day with kind of centered. Yeah. Yeah. Our little chat for this hour. We good. We good. All right, kids, pull up your carpet squares, sit down. Let's listen. It's story time. It's been, it's been bugging me a lot about the way people have responded to black lives matter. Um, to me, black lives matter is a theological pronouncement. It is an ecclesial theological pronouncement because it is a biblical statement that speaks against unbiblical statements in the world. I mean, it's about as prophetic and biblical as you're gonna get when you say Black Lives Matter. Here's why. Throughout human history and throughout American history, almost every single moment in American history said black lives do not matter. Black lives do not matter. By the way, there's never been a moment in American history where you've said all lives do not matter. That's never happened. You might have said, okay, yellow lives don't matter or red lives don't matter or baby lives don't matter. There's never been a moment where you said all lives do not matter. So to say all lives matter is not responding to a historical reality. But when you say black lives matter, it is responding to a historical reality. For centuries, the world has said this evil statement, black lives do not matter. That's why we can keep them in slavery. That's why we can implement Jim Crow laws. That's why we can lynch them. That's why the police can kill them. That's why we can do all these things because over and over again, society has said black lives do not matter. So when the church should say black lives matter, because we believe in the scripture, we believe in the word of God. The word of God says black lives matter because all humanity is made in the image of God and all humanity has a unique value because we're made in the image of God. So black lives matter is a theological repudiation of a historical evil that is in our society. That, my friends, is where it's at. That is exactly where it is is at. I give my brother Soon Chen Ra an amen, like a hell yes amen to that, because I do, I do believe that within Christianity, we need to be reminded of these truths. We're in such a crazy time as this. Such a crazy time as this. Oh, <laughs> heard that before. Such a crazy time as this, that we need to be able to hear the truth of who we are called to be as followers of Christ, as people who proclaim the resurrected Jesus, as those people, we need to be also proclaiming the dignity of all peoples, the equality of all peoples. That if we are made in the image of God, that means we, as in uh, all of humanity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, even the humanities are included in that. Yes, all of you. All of you humans. Yes, if you're listening to this, if you're a dog, that's fine. If you're a cat, screw you. But if you're a human listening to this, that statement that we're made in the image of God means everyone. So come on, we can't just follow a white Jesus. What? <laughs> oh, don't worry. Don't worry, evangelicals. He's white. Just keep believing it. Jesus is white. He burns when the sun's out, I'm pretty sure he's a ginger. Shh, don't tell anyone else this. It's part of the secret, the secret concordance of the Bible that Jesus was a ginger. <laughs> That's why they really crucified him. Not the son of God thing. Everyone was fine with that. They were just anti-ginger. And I'm sorry out there. I'm sorry out there for you gingers. I know, I know it is a difficult road ahead. I know that you uh, have lived with 
ginger gingerfication. Um, I really shouldn't make a joke about that. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. There's ginger jokes that go on in our house because uh, our my children have a a myriad of hair colors, and I enjoy telling people this to not really the chagrin of my wife at all to be like, oh yeah, like oh people say, wow, you've got blonde daughters, a son with dark brown hair, and a son with kind of reddish brown hair. How do you do it? And I'm like, I don't know, but all my kids look like my neighbors. But um, shh, bad joke. My wife rolls her eyes. Yeah, we deal with it. So yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry for all of you gingers or red ads out there. I, I have a ginger friend, so I'm allowed to be able to. I'm not anti-ginger. I I literally have a son who may or most likely is mine because his face does resemble me, even though he had does have a, a bit of the red hair. I apologize right now to all my listeners, especially the new listeners, because I don't necessarily go on to just random ginger rants in the middle of the show. Um, yeah, this is really a first occurrence, and it shan't happen again. I cannot give you a guarantee on that, but I will really, really, really try for as long as I can remember. Considering this wasn't planned, I may not remember this for very long. So, not, 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 not for us to get too off track today, but we will be, we will later in the show, we can talk about conspiracy theories and things of the conspiratorial nature. Now, what I want to offer for you as we hop into our discussion today, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to offer you something. <laughs> we, we, oh gosh, I'm not even, okay. We live in a time where there is much uncertainty uh, where we fear for our health, our lives. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and we need words to kind of carry us through this time, through this time to really encourage us and tell us that it's all going to be okay. So before we officially hop into the, well, let's just go ahead and hop in with these words of deep, deep encouragement from Rick Wiles. Of true news. There's no point in me doing this day after day after day. What is the point of it? To sit here all day long and tell you how bad the Supreme Court is? <laughs> the reprobates. What do you say after it, that? It's like we can hear him losing his mind. <laughs> so we are going into an emergency mode. We're locking down. We're not quitting. I'm just going deep underground. That time has arrived. Those who want to stay with me, with this ministry, we will give you instructions of how you can access this ministry every day. The rest, you're on your own. <laughs> I love the deep encouragement from this Christian ministry of telling the news, how encouraged they are in the word of the Lord and what is moving. <laughs> oh, I think Rick's having a bad day. I mean, I think Rick, I think Rick, when he heard that he needed to go underground, I feel like he's like, I'm not going away, but I'm like, I'm like hibernating. Like I am like literally hibernating. I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to go to sleep for six long months. I'm not gone. 
I may be reachable by message in a bottle or tin can on a string. I'm not going away. This ministry continues. Only I'm going to be very sleepy and very deep, deep underground. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, we already descended into the Christian crazy. What? All right. Yes, yes. If you hadn't figured this out already, this is our portion of the show called the Christian crazy, where we bring out the insanity of Christianity in the hopes that we're able to see, wait, where's the truth? Where's the BS? And keep them apart. So here we go, into the Christian crazy. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So yes, that first clip we had there was Rick Wiles from True News. Yes, True News, a news outlet that literally has White House credentials. Uh-huh, they're a thing. And they're going underground. But the main idea that we're talking about today on our show, we're going to be going through conspiracy theories and and that whole like, cultish surrounding and following that that invades them and and there's no greater conspiracy theory out there than the fact that Trump is God's anointed cuz we know he is how can it be a conspiracy theory if it's true oh just look at that little gelatinous pile of orange mass oh wait I think I started the show by saying everyone was made in God's image. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to stick with that one, but orange gelatinous goo. Ugh. Nah, either way. So uh, this, 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 this week's Christian crazy is going to center around the fact that, you know, there's, there's, there's some cracks starting to form in Trump's base. And we're going to get responses anywhere, anywhere from excuses to a whole bunch of other insane lies and BS. So <laughs> we might as well, we might as well go ahead and start off with, oh, televangelist James Robinson. And you know it's starting to get bad. You know it's starting to get bad when... When the whole, like, like defending Trump as God's anointed one, when you start having to make kind of excuses for yourself and your claims and that a little bit, you know, you know, you know the cracks are starting to form. And you know it's not going well. Right, James? I promise you, our leaders, our president, with all his heart, and those closest to him, they want God's best for everyone in this country. I promise you that's what they want. Sure, our president has some areas where he needs to grow just like all of us do, just like the disciples did, just like Simon Peter did, who denied Jesus. He has a lot of growing to do. I do too, even though I've been a Christian a long time. But I promise you, our president and the leaders around him that he trusts, who really want the wisdom that comes only from God, that's what they want for us. So you pray, God, surround them with that wisdom, surround them with that insight, and we're going to see the greatest miracle healing of the nation and the protection and provision of God. So that really would be a miracle if somehow the Lord were to surround Trump with wisdom and that Trump will be able to, to touch the wisdom. Like, actually, like, what is this? I've never seen this before. What is this object? 
<laughs> Wisdom? What is that? I usually... I usually talk out of my ass. <laughs> what? I don't understand. That would be quite a miracle here. I would be quiet. But I love, I love James Robinson now at the point of being like, well, you know, he's the sinner like all of us. We're we're just all sinners. Come on. Let's just, you know, we all get a little down and dirty. We're just a little sinners. We're just some dirty, dirty little sinners. He's a dirty little sinner. I'm a dirty little sinner. Hell, I'm a tell evangelist. You know I'm a dirty little sinner. <laughs> yeah. But you know it's getting bad when they start trying to defend him and they kind of like, well, I'll give it to you that he's a lying sack of shit. But the border wall, Mexico will pay for. Oh, no, not that one. Um, Supreme Court justices because. Oh, crap. Can't say that. Um, uh, well, we're just going to keep winning because we don't wear masks. <laughs> Real men don't wear masks. That's, uh, that's where the stupidity has ground us to. We have a president who has been lied about a lot. Well, pastor, he lies. That's between him and God. I know there are things that are going to continue to come out that are already showing that they have lied about him. So, I know that people say that he lies. Well, <laughs> I'm a televangelist, you know? That's kind of like breathing air for me. So, who am I to judge? I don't know, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they like to say he's lied, but come on, whatever. Because eventually, we're going to prove they wrong. Because I know we're going to get information on them and they and those guys and them over there. And, you know, it's going to prove that Trump. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, yes. So, yes. All right. If you can't really defend him, you kind of just say, hey, you know, hey, baby, who doesn't who doesn't sin? <laughs> I sin like the best of them. <laughs> Come and send with me. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> that went too far. But apparently, the evangelicals, the evangelicals that voted for Trump, they need to know that they didn't go too far. They went just far enough when they showed their support for Trump and elected him, and 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 Ralph Reed is is frankly tired of the fact that people are calling out Christians, people of faith, for for voting for Trump because of you know all the hatred and bigotry and porn stars and lying and delusion was worse. Oh, yeah. We're just so tired of it because, come on, God knows we're right. God knows we're right. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ralph. Okay, Ralph. These tens of millions of Christians who prayed, who wrestled with Jacob, who struggled with a very difficult decision in 2016, and then 81% of them voted for Donald Trump, they were vindicated yeah. by what he's done to advance the values and principles that beat in their hearts and give meaning to their souls. Like racism. Because evangelicals have shown that 
we're comfortable with a certain amount of like racism. Like, you know, mm, after Labor Day, I don't like wearing white hoods out in public, but you know, like a few Karen or various Ken little uprises against people of color, <laughs> that's just par for the course. It's really what it means to be an evangelical. Uh, being an evangelical has now become that we have a very narrow form of who we love and everyone else is going to hell. And we're cool with it. <laughs> hey! Right, right? It's kind of like our country clubs. <laughs> we like them all white. And everyone else can be extra crispy in hell where they're not with us. So thank you, Ralph Reed. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do think that the Christians that voted for Trump have, I mean, they've, they've definitely made a statement. They've definitely made a statement of faith and values. And in their own hatred and racism, that's been vindicated. So, yay! That's something. <laughs> Huzzah! Well, equally, equally privileged, we've got mm, Kurt Landry. Kurt Landry is going to tell you a little bit of a story. But first, he wants to tell you that Christians have gotten politics all wrong. See, well, let me let him go ahead and begin. <laughs> Because I think he's just going to say it best or worst. Let's see. I really think that the majority of the church has a, has a misunderstanding of separation of church and state, uh, constitutionally as it applies to practical application. So what happens is we have used that to think like politics are dirty, so we'll leave that to the politicians and we'll take care of the church. So, wait, the only problem with what he's saying is here is that the Christians have believed that politics are, you know, dirty and bad and naughty, and we're supposed to stay away from them because they're dirty and bad and naughty. And our, our realm, our realm for conservative Christians, we need to make sure the church is dirty and bad and naughty. Oh, wait. Hey, guess what? We're just the same as the politicians. Hey, we should, we should form a religious right and run together and totally ruin the faith and this country. Got it, got it. Sorry, that's not what he was saying. Just a little aside. I thought it just needed to be said. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Let's get clean Christians into politics to clean it up so that it's not like what it is today. And I think there's really been a neglect of discipleship. You know, in the Great Commission, the Lord says that we are to go to all nations, but we are to make disciples. And so uh, we need to pray in, vote in, and prepare good, solid Christian men and women who are able to bring God's alignment and God's instruction into these different offices. Oh, kind of like Trump and folks like Michael Flynn, who is dirty as hell, and over this past weekend pledged allegiance to QAnon? We'll get to that in just a little bit. 
yeah, those kind of godly people like putting people like Trump in office because, you know, Trump's so holy. Why is he holy, Kurt? Because there's a story somewhere in your balderdash that you're spinning here. So what? Just please don't go on a stupid rant about how we're a Judeo-Christian nation found on Judeo-Christian principles. Just don't do that. Just don't. Don't. And and the thing is, our nation is a Judeo-Christian nation. We no! have a Judeo-Christian constitution. That's why there's forces trying to change our laws. They they want to defund the police so they can bring in Sharia law, and that's a different religion. Bingo, bingo for any conservative Christians that had Sharia law. I was invited to speak uh, at Mar-a-Lago at a Trump event. And so uh, the day before I was there speaking, they asked me and a couple of pastors to come in and pray. Now, this was from the president, okay? They asked us to pray and anoint with oil the Mar-a-Lago uh, property. Now, here, here's, here's one of the areas that, that... Now, I just want to disclose this. So in an effort, I know, for conservative Christianity to be able to, like, uh, displace themselves, separate themselves from common culture... Um, Mm, they've kind of missed out on certain social cues and things they probably shouldn't say, even though he's describing this earnestly because apparently he was called down to Mar-a-Lago to speak, but ultimately Trump wanted him to pour oil on things down at Mar-a-Lago. Now, I know that in the Christian sense, we if I'm pouring oil on something, it, it, it's, 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 it's anointing, and um, I don't care what she was wearing when I pearled oil onto her. <laughs> it was all part of the party that was going on down at Mar-a-Lago. But come on, let me give you, let's anoint a lot of these girls in the room today. <laughs> okay, sorry, that went too far. But, but, I do love the fact that, yeah, it's it, Mar-a-Lago anointed, me did it. So first, I'm the first, I'm the first televangelist to anoint, to anoint Mar-a-Lago. So yeah, yeah, you should saint me someday. I'm a saint. That's right. That's right. It's me. So the last, I would really call it like the cake topper, like our centerpiece, the main, the main focus of the Christian crazy here. Um, I'm going to introduce someone new here. Uh, this is Sid Roth. Sid Roth is a televangelist on the Trinity Broadcast Network, and he is about to say the most insane thing I have ever heard, especially in regards to Christianity and Donald Trump. Now, now he's going to say many crazy things, but bonus points for you to figure out the thing that he says that makes Stewart's head explode the most. We'll see what happens. Hopefully Stewart's head won't explode while you're listening to this. But it may. But, you know, welcome to the Christian crazy, Sid Roth. It hasn't been the same without you, and we never even knew we needed you. But, oh, we need your crazy... Go for it, Sid. Go, Sid. Be the insane idiot that your mother raised you to be. Go, Sid, go! The greatest proof that there is a God in heaven is that he gave us a president of the United States that has gone through the most 
persecution of a, I don't know how a human being can do that. And he seems, I mean, he's just a little younger than me. I don't think a 30 year old could keep up with his pace. I don't think a 50 year old could handle all the pressure on that man. Now, whether you like him or not, he is a miracle, in my opinion. <laughs> and your opinion doesn't mean crap. <laughs> oh, Sid. Oh, my goodness. The Holy Spirit was full of you. Dear Lord, you had a little Viagra going on in the spirit, if you know what I mean. Oh, look at him. Trump. Oh, such a virile man. Such a man of the Lord. <laughs> Mama likes, city likes. But what? What? The, the, the proof, the proof that God exists is that he gave us Donald Trump. <laughs> that is the strongest case for atheism I have ever heard in my entire life. That's right. Donald Trump is a miracle? No! <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where I'd go with that one, if that's the truth. A little harsh? I don't know. But what's... What a beautiful segue for us to be able to step in to our main conversation of the day. And we're going to be talking about kind of that correlation between conspiracy theories and cults and why they somehow thrive within Christianity, but shouldn't, but shouldn't. They should not do that at all. And I'm going to begin with one of the best definitions that I've had for a word mainly just because I, I, get, I get obsessed with dumb things like this. But I, found the, I, find, I love it. I just I love this. I find it very hilarious. So, cult. Here's the definition of a cult that we're going to use. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarding by others as strange or sinister. So, if it's, if it's going to be a cult, it's got to be a relatively small group. Sorry, Mormons. I know Christians have been calling you a cult for years, but, you know, you have to be a, quote, relatively small group of people who have religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. I mean, one person strange is another person sinister. So who knows? That's a very broad definition for that. It's, it's interesting. Now, Conspiracy theories and Christianity acting really weird and scary and cultish is, is nothing new. It's nothing new. Like I, I, I can think back to. I'll give you a few. I'll give you a few personal Stuart stories. These are like the golden nuggets of my youth and my past. That is so long, so long. It's been gone for so long. But I can, I can do. I can come, come sit around the porch. We'll tell some stories. We talk about. Conspiracy theories and cults. See, I, during my formative years, if you've heard this show before, I have, I have well, fine, 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 fine. I'll, 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 I'll give you the abbreviated version of my weird childhoodness. So, partially raised, 75% childhood Southern Baptist, 25% crazy Pentecostal charismatic don't always like fit well together. Yeah, that's a longer story, but that's for a whole nother show. 
and there have been many other shows where we've discussed those. But um, during my formative years, I um, I was a part of, and if anyone is grew up Southern Baptist, you will know what what I'm talking about right away. Um, there were kind of the Christian versions of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, and those were RAs and GAs. RAs, Royal Ambassadors, GAs, Girls in Action. Really, as you can assume, the boys were Royal Ambassadors. Whoa, that's such a noble name. But the girls were Girls in Action. Yeah, we can already see, we can already see complementarianism working on the young children at hand. But, but I will say this. Of all the craziness I, I experienced being raised in and around uh, conservative Christianity as a child, uh, one of the most formative things that I really 80% enjoyed um, was, was RAs. It was, it, was, it was a time where I was able to like connect somehow faith to doing outdoor camping and ministry. And that was something that kind of grabbed me at an early age. And it was something that, that I, I'm actually thankful for. I mean, I rip on so much of my conservative past. But one thing was that it inadvertently, not on purpose, but it was just by accident, kind of gave me a love of creation uh, by taking me backpacking and hiking in the outdoors as a young kid. So RAs was, was, was wonderful in that aspect. Uh, but at the same time, we would have every year, there was a thing called a campery. And at the campery, that was when everyone in your state, mine, the good old state of Georgia, and back in my childhood, we still had the Confederate flag as part of our state flag. Thanks, Georgia. But yes. So in my youth of many eons ago, uh, once a year, the good RAs would go to the campery where you would compete against all the other Christian converts for mass supremacy of whether it be uh, knowledge of Bible, knowledge of other skills. But at the same time, we also had like different like little tracks to send 10 years old, 10 year olds into like little Bible studies to teach them on why modern music is evil. And that if you play it backwards, AKA backmasking, you'll realize that Prince is essentially just worshiping Satan. So yes, I was great at making Pinewood Derby cars. I could make my own hammock. I could, I, I, I won awards for being one of the fastest to tie the square knot in the state of Georgia back in my day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm that good. But I also learned about backmasking and why somehow there's evil Satan in music and we should stay away from it. Um, those kind of things. I'm also going to tell you that I was, I was back in the day. It, it still hurts. I was robbed of the Bible bowl championship game. Uh, this is something that still hurts a bit. Mm -hmm. I got the answer right to win all of Georgia, but they declared my answer incorrect. And probably that's the only reason why I went to seminary because I was so angry about that because I still claim I was correct. Am I bitter? That's not the point. Have I gotten over this in my 42 years of life? Marginally. But, but, I shall give you the question again. In 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks of leaving the city at night. How did he leave the city? 
My answer, ding, first one in there. He was lowered out of the city. Answer, not correct. Why? He was lowered in a basket. Did they ask me what he was lowered in? No. Did I answer he was lowered? Yes. Should we have won? Yes. So screw you. And this is why I have a whole radio show. It's not really. <laughs> Actually, I hadn't thought of that in years, but it's really fun to think about it. Um, but as I think about this, I, I think about how much of my childhood um, in, in evangelical Christianity was surrounded by, by fears and being terrified of, of unknowns. I remember when I was, I was even younger um, than my, my domination of the Bible bowl that was unjustly ripped from my hands. Um, someone should create a Wikipedia page surrounding this. It is a terrible travesty and injustice. But um, I remember when I was even younger, um, I was about seven years old. I remember at Christmas, I had gotten the Castle Grayskull. Yes, yes, yes. He-Man's fantastical lair that looked so amazing on the box in the toy store that was really just a big hunk of plastic that looked kind of like a skull that you can have your man, He-Man and toys play around in. Yeah. But it was amazing. It was um, it was everything I had wanted. It came with stickers that made it look more lifelike, and it that was being a child of the eighties. Okay, it was amazing. It was great. I get it. Three months later, my mom hears in a Bible study again that Satan is in He Man because they worship a man called Skeletor. Skeletor is apparently Satan, and. Did Stuart's He-Man toys go away magically to a farm upstate? Essentially, they did. Essentially, they did. My mom probably threw them away because she would have not wanted them to go to needy children, which would have been led astray by their satanic nature in this. So, yes, was I, was I, was I told, was I, was I scolded by my mother in middle school when I joined Columbia House? Because I was buying the devil's music. I remember being called out because the devil's music was pop. And I was such a cool kid because I was listening to Billy Joel, who had not been cool for many years. And yes, I lived a weird life growing up. But no, no, my point from all this is, is that, that so often within the faith, do we lend ourselves to conspiracy theories? I mentioned earlier, and this, this is kind of why what tipped me off on talking about this this hour, was that um, I, I saw, it was over this past uh, 4th of July weekend, there was a video that went circulating around. It was Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn. Oh, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn, who was, worked for the Trump, uh, the Trump administration, uh, pled guilty twice. And then through some weird finagling, now is kind of going free. Mm -hmm. Michael Flynn pledged allegiance to QAnon. And over the past few weeks, we've also had a few pro-QAnon candidates that have won their primary. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, good for you. Good on you. I am so happy if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now when I say things like QAnon. But sadly, 
It's not the world that we live in. I wish I could stick my hand in the sand like an ostrich and all be so happy. (laughs) And just, no, it's not the world we live in. We live in a crazy time where somehow Christianity means racism and misogyny, greed and immorality. And anything that's not part of that is anti-God. So yeah, Christianity's pretty fucked up right now. I feel like that's a fair assessment. I think that's honest and true. Don't believe me? I'll fight you on it. And for those that had the bingo card, if Stuart would forget to tell everyone about all the show's information, and if anyone picked 39 minutes into the show, you are the winner of the office pool. So yes... (laughs) Just a reminder, because we do this on a regular basis, this broadcast and all other podcasts um, are available where you find podcasts. Or, 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 if you want this, this, this show delivered right to your email, you can go and sign up over at www.snarkyfate.com. Find other shows there. Right, right, right. And, 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 if you want to tell me that I'm wrong for calling all this stuff out, hey, 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 I love hearing from people and responding to them. Questions at snarkyfate.com. Also, we've got the Snarky Hotline, 919-525-1570. <laughs> Only 40 minutes made on the show, but yeah. And so, hey, just joining us, we're talking about conspiracy theories and why they have such a bedrock in and amongst Christianity and why they shouldn't. I mean, it's all, we assume they shouldn't, but they do, right? Wacky Christianity, silly Jesus. Oh, wait, Jesus has nothing to do with this. That's why we're in this place that we're at. Oh, good reminder. Thanks, Stuart. You're welcome, Stuart. Awesome. But actually, we're in this place because uh, for the longest time, Christianity has been led by power-hungry, for the most part, white men who want to be able to get ahead. Now, I know I somehow just said, I just said a, uh, what every conservative would roll their eyes at. But, but run with me here, just for a minute. So for the longest time, um, I believe evangelical Christianity, conservative Christianity, both of them, uh, in their separate but equal tracks, have had their boogeyman, right? Have had who is sinful, who is good. So, so Christianity, in many ways, for like the past 50 years in America, has become about who's good, who's bad, right? Who do we listen to? Who do we not listen to? We had a show recently on cancel culture, right? This one's good, this one's bad. You listen to this one, you're going to heaven. You listen to this one, you're going to hell, right? So we've, we've been in that, that very, like, like very binary way of being able to look at the world. We've taught people to look at the world through their binary eyes. But why, why has this happened? Well, and we've, again, had many other past shows on this about gaslighting. Uh, when you begin to have corrupt leaders that care about power, that care about their own influence, and care more about themselves and what kind of name they're making for themselves than they do caring about the kingdom of God, we're going to have problems. Now, when I say the past 50 years in American Christianity, we can probably trace it back probably to the roots uh, of post-Jesus Christianity where things got all wacky and, and messed up. But I'm focusing mainly around uh, the culture of which most of us was were, most of us were raised within. And, and that in America is, is this game of being able to, like, like when, I, when, I, when I grew up, 
one of the best ways I can summarize how, how Christianity was boiled down to me within the evangelical circles was this, is that to be a good Christian, you need to develop um, an ability to be able to root out sin. Sin being bad things that God doesn't like. Uh, parentheses, bad things that Christian leaders at that time and culture want to call out, saying that God doesn't like, but really it's because they don't like it, but they say they're doing it in God's name. End parentheses. Okay, continue. So, um, so as young Christian children raised within the faith, um, you're raised with kind of the sense of that you need to be a kind of like a metal detector for sin. So as you are walking down your narrow path, it's like boop, boop, boop. Beep, 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 beep. Stay away from that. Beep, 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 beep. Stay away from that. Right, right. So, so, so the Christian faith through a lot of these lenses becomes about you being terrified of pissing God off. You are terrified of sinning. So all of life is kind of like minesweeper. It's like, it's like, it's like a mind game out there. And that as Christians, we are constantly in fear of stepping on the wrong thing and messing up. And why is that bad? Why, why is that insidious and why is that gaslighting? Well, because of this. Because we either read the gospel of Jesus and believe that either God is good or that God is an angry asshole. doesn't boil down much easier than that. Either God is an angry rageaholic that is always about to lose his mind, that is like an abusive father that you are trying to constantly placate to make sure that they don't hit you or hurt you in some manner. Or God is a God of love. God created humanity out of love, that God calls humanity to love one another, whether they are like you or dislike you, whether they believe like you or don't, whether they are nice to you or kind to you or they're not. See, the weird thing is that somehow Christianity feels like it's allowed to hate culture. It feels like it's allowed to hate people, either based upon their skin tone who they choose to love or how they choose to live their lives. And the lie that's happened within Christianity is quite insidious. If everyone doesn't speak like you or speak like you're told to speak, they're evil and bad. But the weird thing is you're already running away from the first few chapters of Genesis. We're made in God's image. We are made in God's image. And I know it sounds really easy and simple, but these are the easy and simple things that all of these, all of these idiots that we talk about in the Christian crazy and beyond get wrong. If they want to take, if they want to read Genesis the way they want to read Genesis, they need to read it in a way that God created everyone in God's image. That means regardless of your skin color, God's image regardless of who you choose to love, God's image, 
regardless of even how you choose to vote. <gasps> God's image, which I struggle with too, because a lot of the times the people that say they know what God wants are the nastiest, most hateful people that I've actually met. And what becomes even more insidious is when they begin to tell you how to think, what you see, and what you believe. Because it, it, it. It's very evil. And, and I think that conspiracy theories come from places of fear. It also comes from places where we don't want to take the simplest answer. There's not a QAnon. There's no Q. But it's easier to answer this because it continues to prop up your weird worldview. For all of those conservative Christians that believe in QAnon, for them to realize that it's all a filthy, dirty, stupid, moronic hoax would mean that their entire worldview comes crashing down. And their defense mechanisms in their head will not let them do it. Because they want to consider, they want to continue to listen to BS like this that tells them how to think. No, folks, stick with us. Stick with us. Amazing. But remember, they have the biggest, best, strongest lobbyists, and they're doing a number. Just stick with us. Don't believe the see from these people, the fake news. What you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. And I'll tell you, I have so many people that are so in favor, because we have to make our country truly great again. Remember? Make America great again. And then in two and a half years, it's called Keep America Great. So, so what you see with your God-given eyes and your God-given human brain is not real. But believe us, believe us, because especially in cults like this, leaders use conspiracy theories to control their people. They do. And it ultimately reminds me of I remember this, and this was back when I was um, many years ago. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I may be, not be long for having my ordination much longer as I do shows like this. I don't really care. Uh, when I was ordained years ago, um, I remember sitting before a board of people that needed to quiz me on what I believed in my faith. And they talked and asked me about the end times. And, and, and I honestly believe that one of the worst parts of the Bible is the book of Revelation. I'm going to piss so many people off. Um, is because people have liked to anchor their faith in conspiracy theories and insanity. I'll give you a very simple tool on how to figure out whether or not people that are talking to you about the book of Revelation know what they're talking about or not. Um, do they either take it all literal or do they take it all figurative? Or do they mix and match it? If they mix and match it, they don't know what they're doing. Um, when, I was, when I was sitting before a board, um, yes, trying to get my ordination, they were quizzing me to try to figure out why they didn't need to ordained me. They probably shouldn't have. And I remember them asking me about what I believe about uh, eschatology and the end times. And I said, honestly, I don't feel like any of it matters. And they did not like hearing that. And they said, why? Tell us why. I said, well, because most Christians park on to the book of Revelation like it's the X-Files and they get obsessed with it. And they 
come up with all sorts of conspiracy theories and ideas about how to worry about when is Jesus coming back and who's the Antichrist and all of this, and it steals everything away from the gospel. No human that I've known that is obsessed with revelation actually knows how to walk out the gospel well. I will make that statement and I will defend it. Because when people get caught up in crazy conspiracy BS theories, they're ignoring the present reality that's around them. They're ignoring, like what Trump was saying, don't believe what you hear, don't believe what you see. I'll tell you the truth. Because the truth is simply this. Jesus is very, 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 very simple in the Gospels. You don't need a theology degree to realize that Jesus calls us to love others. Super simple. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies. He calls us to love God, to love God's creation. Jesus calls us to do a whole lot of loving and not a whole lot of calling people out. I like to call people out because I feel like they call people to a Christianity that's not Jesus-y. Because I'm like, yeah, call it what you want to. Give it a new name. That has nothing to do with Jesus. Because Jesus is very clear. We are called to love. We are called to serve. We are not called to be the winners of culture wars. We are called to be the winners of being the best servants. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom filled with conspiracy theories and nonsense. The kingdom of God is not some huge secret that people are waiting to find. It's right in front of us. It's not a mystery. It's not a conspiracy. It's not anything else. The words of Jesus are very plain. If there is those amongst you that need, give to them. Those that are hungry, feed them. If those that are alone, go be with them. Restore dignity to those that have had their dignity raped from them and stolen and ripped away from them. Go and just be a good human to other people. And you just being a good human and loving others and not being a selfish bastard, putting other people's needs above yourselves will make you a better person. It will make you a happier person. And it'll make the world a better place. And it's, it's really that simple. I, I, I feel like we can make things so theologically compl complicated. We can get obsessed with what is heaven and what's happening off here and all these other places. But all they do is they point us away from the reality of where we're at in the present. I'm a child of God. I'm here living right now. There's a pandemic going on. Who needs my help? How can I help people that live around me? How does my neighbor need my help? How does that person that is struggling need my help? Who needs my help? Who needs my love? Who needs my grace? Who's being marginalized? How can I help them to feel like they matter? Because that kind of stuff matters to the kingdom of God. It matters a whole heck of a lot. So as we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com and anywhere that podcasts are found. And I'm going to leave you with this kind of new thing that I'm starting. We'll see if it takes or not, if I like it or not. But this, uh, this week, it's going to fit. So here's your pop liturgy this week from Gregory Allen Isaacoff and from the Foo Fighters. Remember when our songs were just like prayers, like gospel hymns that you called in the air. Come down, come down, sweet reverence, into my simple house and ring, and ring, ring like silver, ring like gold. And I ran back to that hollow again, 
The moon was just a sliver back then. I ached for my heart like some tin man. When it came, oh, it beat, it boiled, and it rang. Oh, it's ringing. Ring like silver, ring like gold. Turn these diamonds straight back into coal. Because it's times like these you learn to live again. It's times like these you give and give again. It's times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these, time and time again. I send you out into this world with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. Go make a difference. Go make this world better. I'm out of here. Peace. Catch you again next week.